Welcome to Tigers SRD with two hosts who always start on second, Chris Brown, never-ending parade of mediocrity, and Roger Castillo. Roger, live in Detroit. All right, welcome to another episode of Tigers SRD on BoulderCityBengals.com and the Overtime Media Network. I'm going to have a say long time as Chris Brown. And you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Art Media, Sister, and Google Play. Don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. It's been a while. It's been since, I think, the, I want to say the fall since we got one. So if you get a minute, it takes two seconds, just leave us a review. And if you want to give us some feedback, which can be negative, that's fine, too. I don't care. That's cool. A lot of people, a lot of people have been forgetting to review us. Yeah. Been meaning to, but forgetting about it. Yeah, it takes um, two seconds. Although I te- technically we could probably review our own show, right? We can go on there and give ourselves a review. I've I never my, done that. I've never done that either. I would give myself three stars because I'd be like, well, look, you can't say your words half the time. You can't say names. And sometimes you do the show when you're really exhausted and when you should be resting more. But uh, no, I've. Yeah, <laughs> you work too hard, man. Hey, yeah. I can. Sometimes I can tell from afar when like you've been overloaded just by like the level of engagement and certain things. But yeah. <laughs> Well, a 10,000 yards there, just like now that we're doing the show more yeah. on camera. So it's more like, yeah, he's about to fall asleep. Yeah. Well, uh, I thought you might have fallen asleep a couple times during March. Uh, I think I, you, you were either in deep thought or in deep sleep. That was in deep thought. I was at, no, during Mark's pod, to be fair, I was in deep thought. Yeah. I will say Mark has done a really good job of like, he's been very conscious of slowing himself down and doing these short rants. And like, like we are, mm-hmm. our show's been getting a little. Although Jules last week was extended because we also had Max uh, Reaper from Royals Review. Yeah. So those are the longest show in a long time, but it really depends on one time we record. If we record past, I don't think I can record past 10 o'clock anymore. That's it isn't happening. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. It's brutal. So a couple of announcements I want to get out of the way. We announced last week that the Tiger Miley Report podcast has started. So that'll be probably another one rolling out when soon as my spring training ends. There'll be another roundtable with the Motor City Bengals staff, but we started a Patreon last Sunday. The story behind that was we actually started a Patreon for Tiger Mind Report last year, and then life happens. I was talking to Chip and I came up with the, the whole idea, and then I put it in the back burner, but then I was like, you know what? We'll bring it out again, see what happens. And the reason why is because you and I, Chip, Jake, even you know, now we got Joe, who's writing prospect reports now for Prospect Live, so kudos to Joe. Oh, nice. Yeah, I saw that. I, I saw him sharing. Like, I I have access. Sometimes I'll get emails from Prospects Live for some of the stuff I do for the podcast side of things over there. And I noticed that his name came up, and I was like, "Oh, well, good for Joe," because Joe is a really good dude. And so, but yeah, go to our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Tigers SRD. If you want to throw us a few bucks, all this goes back into the show. We've already had four people, so I mean, I want to give a real. It means a lot that you've done that, and. Aaron and Aaron and Ryan specifically for the Tigers SRD feed. And then our old friend of the show, Brian Sikowski, he did that for the Tiger Miley report. It's the same thing with Kean. So there's a lot of perks with becoming a member, our Patreon member. So you get a bonus episode, which we're going to be doing tonight. So for your Patreon only members, we're going to be doing a pitching breakdown, some car facts. So we'll get to that a little later, but that's for Patreon only members. So, and Honestly, it means a lot that you do. So it's no pressure. Also, we have a Discord channel we just started, Tigers Talk. So there is a link for that. We'll put that in the podcast. And we were talking to people during the game. So um, twice a month, we'll be doing a live stream on Patreon. 
talking during the game, just kind of doing play by her own version of play by play. So if you don't care for Matt Shepard's voice, which he's he's just fine the way he is, you can tune in with us. It looks like the Chris Illich is going to be having his own network developing, so something like that will be coming down the pipeline. So yeah, yeah, yeah we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll, just yeah. like this District Detroit's uh, on the on the way. Yeah, uh, or uh, remember how many people got mad about the Little Caesars not or Little Caesars logo not being on top of the arena? How people were yeah. pissed off about that. It was in the drawing. I mean, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so go to uh, patreon.com forward slash Tigers SRD, all one word. There's two tiers there, one to help out the minor report, one just goes back here. Like I said, it goes a long way. And if you are, if you become a Patreon after tonight, I'll give you a T-shirt. I'll, you just let me know what shirt you want. So a free T-shirt, your choice from the Tiger Minor Report store, which is something that exists that I don't ever talk about. So, I don't know why I'm always weird like at like asking people for things and no yeah I mean I I honestly feel strange about the Patreon thing like I hope that we can provide enough extra content and, and useful content that people feel like it's worth paying for but it is right. one of the, like I don't know we've done this so long without asking for money it feels a little bit like uh, suddenly asking people to pay for email like hey I've been emailing for twenty years now and all of a sudden what, what's this all about. Yeah, I, don't know. You know, I mean, yeah, like like you said, I mean, you've you've spent a lot of money on equipment and stuff, and you drag your ass out here a couple times a year and bring all your equipment so we can do shows here, and you bought me a microphone and all this. Like, it, it's not like we're getting rich off this, so it is just kind of helping us continue to do the show. And, and well, if people enjoy it, then, then you know, feel free to pay us or don't. You just yeah. miss out on talking about Julio Tehran. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, honestly, I I just. I thought it'd be like I was talking to Chip about this and I've been going back and forth about it for a while because I, I appreciate all our listeners. It's fun for yeah. all the like mispronunciations and all that stuff out there. We build a nice quiet, you know, build a nice audience. We have people on check us out. So I appreciate everybody listening. And if you want to cool, if not, no big deal. Yeah. Honestly, no, you know, I mean, you won't, you won't get our only fans, but that's, <laughs> and that's, and you know what? That's some, not maybe some work yeah, they, yeah, oh, not yeah. safe for work. Yeah, maybe some Spanish rants and SRD after dark. Yeah. <laughs> SRD after dark. We um, almost, yeah, we almost brought broadcast some butt crack at the draft last year, but we had <laughs> that, to. <laughs> that was right. I forgot about that. I'm like, before you post, let me look, and I'm like, that was the that well, was I had the pool thing. I had forgotten that I loaned you like you were wearing my extra swimsuit. I forgot. Yeah, because we just totally on the fly were like, hey, you know what? That'd be cool to do like something different. And that's when when the Orioles did that pick. What was it? If if something crazy would happen, I'd jump in the pool. Yeah, was. whoever makes a whoever makes a big splash in the draft. The first big splash in the draft is is your first big splash in the pool. So, so this year, what I'm gonna do this year, if we didn't do it in your house again, I'm gonna bring my own trunks and then I'm gonna have to wear like I'll have my uh, Lutre Libre uh mask that I got today. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. So what did you get to today? We're going to talk about the rotation. It seems like it's getting clear. Uh, Badu is a, a bad man, and, and really, it's one of those things where the he's really forcing the issue. He got give him his Badu. So uh, Chris, Chris was the production on that one. Uh, we'll talk a little bit of March Madness, a little bit, not too much. Did you do a bracket? So I get to some of the annoying parts of that bracket part. Actually, uh, Jordan Hall just sent me an invite to do a bracket. So I think you got one too. I did, I yeah. Did. I, I haven't done one yet, so I guess that'll be my first. Jordan uh, Hall, the of the Fine Tigers podcast, podcastiano, so you can listen to fine yeah. folks over there. Him and Eric have been cranking us out again, so there's a new episode for there if you want to check them out. Uh, 
also the another annoying thing that's annoyed Chris and I will get to in a second as well. And our first good, bad, and ugly of the spring, and our first inside of numbers. But yeah, let's let's go into the rotation a little bit. And we saw the other day Julio Tehran and Tarek Skubal basically combined with a couple other Tigers that have 14 strikeouts in the loss to Philly. Of course, the offense was a kind of lack of concern, but again, the more of the story here was Tehran seven Ks, Derek Skubal, throwing a good change of the curve. You know, we talked about this during the or in Discord. It looked like he was he was throwing it early in counts and trying to establish it, but it looks like he still wasn't grabbing, had the grip going correctly. But it looks like he's in the rotation. I mean, there's no if ands about about it. Yeah, I think right now, I mean, there there are a couple of guys who are going to be in the rotation no matter what. It was going to be Boyd and Turnbull were going to be in no matter what, and we figured you know a couple other guys would be in there. Scoobol has done it with his performance. I, I'm sure. He talked about it. He wasn't nearly as crisp with his fastball in his last start. I mean, you, you can't – I mean, three scoreless innings is great. 70 pitches through three innings isn't going to cut it. He's, he's going to need to get a couple more quick outs in the future. But the stuff is undeniable now, and uh, he just needs to, to rein in the command a little bit. So I think he's in for sure. And then uh, I think Tehran, he's only pitched, what, three times now? Yeah, correct. Uh, but he's looked – really solid in all three outings. And, and I think he's basically earned his job. I, I mean, I don't, I, we always thought he was gonna, and his velocity's up this year and uh, you know, the stuff looks, looks good. It's moving all over the place. So I think he's in, so that's, you got four guys and then it just depends like, are they going to do a six man uh, rotation? And then you're, you're picking from basically Casey Mize, Michael Fulmer and Jose Arena. And Arena had one really wild outing and one really, good outing so it's kind of you don't really know with him uh, I always thought that he was probably going to be in the rotation I know you you thought he'd be better out of the bullpen and I think he would work in either role honestly he might he probably would be more effective as a like a long man or a reliever just because he can just you know let it loose at like 98 every every pitch uh, I always kind of thought they were going to just use him as a little bit of like a sacrificial innings eater but I mean so far what we've seen from Michael Fulmer Performance-wise and stuff-wise, you, you can't really put him in the rotation, I don't think. Yeah, it, it's – I think we talked about it. Chris McCoskey, who, you know, we don't always uh, agree with, he, he said watching him was like watching Jordan Zimmerman. It, he's dead on. Like, it's – you see these guys – like, th- there's no doubt that Fulmer is competing as hard as he can, is really trying, and he just the stuff just doesn't fool anybody. He got he got four swings and misses the other day in 63 pitches, I think, uh, compared to, like, Scoople had, like, 20 swings and misses in his outing, I think, in, in three innings. Something, I, I don't know the exact numbers, but he got a ton. Uh, and it, it's just like, you know, it's it's tough living when you're not missing bats. And I know we're hoping for more from Fulmer. I don't think – I think he's acknowledged now that he's a different pitcher. I think he said as much. He said, I'm going to have to learn how to be a different pitcher. And and maybe he can, maybe he can't. I don't know if you want him learning that at the major league level to begin the season. Um, and then you got Mize, who is kind of a conundrum because he had, what, his first two outings, didn't give up any runs, but he walked a couple guys or three guys in each outing. He was, he was really kind of dancing around the zone. And in his last outing, he got shelled. He gave up what uh, two, three home runs? I don't remember. I mean, they're, exactly. they're, they're blast too. I mean, there were now. Yeah, like, no, he gave you know. up. A, it was a three-run homer and a grand slam. Was that it? Uh, yeah, Something I like so. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you see, like you see, flashes of the stuff. 
and he'll get ahead of guys and then won't finish them off or he gets flustered with men on base and it just it's it's always seemed as much mental with Mize to me as it is physical uh there's a lot of times where just like i don't know it seems like every time we we see a pitch he talks about like i didn't you know the the command wasn't right or i made a mistake there and it's just like at some point he's gonna have to stop doing that but i don't know i don't think you really want to send him to toledo either so i don't really know who it's gonna be like if it were me i probably would run a six man and fulmer would be the odd man out which kind of sucks for a a veteran like that former rookie of the year but you know it's baseball it's a job you got to perform yeah, the picture of you and I think it was uh was it him and was it what was it the 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 person next to him um they look it was funny they look like something out of a they look dressed out of a volleyball game Michael Fulmer oh after, Derek Holland yeah Derek, Derek Holland yeah. Derek Holland looked like he was getting ready to post up on the in the Y you know p- yeah. power forward all he needed is rec specs and he would have been fine <laughs> yeah there, I don't know if there's something going on with like tank tops this spring or it just happened to be that both of those kids were wearing weird tank tops but yeah it looked kind of funny i'm sorry i'll break out a picture several times this year i think yeah you you should use that picture because look here's the thing even if i was skinnier let's say hypothetically speaking even in high school when i was a runner and i was uh, 95 pounds less than i am now even if i get back to that i promise you i'm not gonna wear tank tops i've never I get why dudes do it. I get it. It's, 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 you know, it's a lot more air goes through the pits and all that stuff, but I'm sorry. I'm a burly dude. It just looks, it just never looks right to me. It never did. And my dad wore like the white beater tank tops all the time. And, and even, I mean, that was his signature. It was him in a pair of black jeans, but I, maybe cause I'm a chubby dude. I just can't, I, I don't know. It just, it's, they always come up in the, the, it seems like that. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> I see it. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's one of those things where I'm looking at it and yeah, I, I, I can't, it, it looks like something like they're getting ready to do. They're getting ready to set up a, a yacht or a sailboat or something, yeah, but I, I was far, never, I, I don't think I've, I've ever worn a tank top in any capacity. You're a smart man. I just, I, I don't get it. You know, show poll, you know, show poll. If everybody's listening out there, if you're a tank top person, you know, what? I know who comments a lot about the show and I really appreciate it. And every time he's on Twitter and he, I know he's listening live is, um, Oh God. Why am I drawing a blank on his name? Um, it's a short name. Is it okay? Something I got, I got to look it up, but, uh, one of our listeners is always listening. When he listens online to our show, or he's listening to the podcast, he'll make comments as we goes, and I enjoy it because like I'll I'll be there at work or so, killing time or something, and I'll, I'll pop on Twitter and I can tell when he's listening, and it's 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 gold, and because he's because I can always tell when he's engaged in the show because he'll make comments as he's listening. It's it's mm. fantastic. I'm trying to figure out who it is now. Yeah. And, is it the guy who who comes in with the Santa Claus f- photo? You know, he's got it's an older oh, it's Ray Ray McConnell. Ray McConnell. Yeah, Ray, okay, yeah. Yeah, Ray, good old Ray. Ray's awesome. So, uh yeah, I'm I'm good, interested to see if Ray's Ray. Good old Ray. I wonder if he has any com- or commentary about tank tops. But as far as the fifth spot concerned, getting back to uh, the topic at hand, I still think they're going to go with a six-man rotation. I think this, the Tigers are so desperate for starting pitching. And you saw the discouragement of Franklin Perez's start, which is like cringeworthy. Now you kind of know, like, well, shoot, 
their depth is really shallow now. Uh, you know, Wentz is not going to be back. I mean, you, that's why you see Ernesto Romero is still in camp, and Ramirez. We'll get to that roster stuff shortly, but I think it's a combination of Norris and Arena and Fulmer. As much as I mean, I'm, I think Ful- they're going to give Fulmer every opportunity to. But I think the next start might be his last. Like they might do like a transition thing. They might even put him in like for during these spring training games where let's say Turnbull starting, they put my or they put Fulmer in a situation which would be like similar to a reliever. We see how he does. That's a possibility too. But or he could take the Frank Tanana route. I mean, remember Frank Tanana was a like throwing not, him and Nolan Ryan and the Angels in the mid seventies were two guys that were just throwing nothing but heat. Then Tanana got hurt and it took him a while. Before he became a junk ball pitcher, like I, I always thought as a kid, I'm like, how's it? I mean, it was like he was like the Ed Harris from Major League. That could be Michael Fulmer someday. I don't know, but yeah, I mean, there, there's, uh, I know there, there's, there've been some guys. I mean, CC Sabathia at the very end of his career kind of became more of a finesse pitcher. He wasn't, you know, he he used to, you know, get it up there near 100 when he was younger, and then toward the end of his career, he was sitting like 90. Um, there are guys who can figure it out. I just, uh, it, it's tough. It, it's tough for righties. I, I feel like, I don't know, you either have to have an like excellent command or just a dynamite breaking ball change up. And, and it's just, it's, it's tough. It's tough for guys to make a living like that. I wouldn't put it past Fulmer to figure it out, but going from a guy who really is like, you're a power pitcher to I've got a pitch now. It's tough. It's tough for anybody. So I, ho- I hope he can pull it off, but. I mean, I think of, I would make the like the person to Matt Harvey. You know, he's still trying to figure it out four or five years later after his surgery. That's a good comparison. I mean, Harvey was a, he's a minor league. He's in whose camp is he in right now? Baltimore. He's in Baltimore's camp. Baltimore, yeah, yeah, big Baltimore's camp, and so it's supposedly looking okay, but it, it's who knows. Yeah, and that might be the case where you're absolutely right. It's harder for righties to do it. Lefties, you could think Jamie Moore comes to mind too. He was a finesse. Junk ball pitcher, who by Kenny the way, was Rogers. T- yeah, Kenny Rogers, Demon Warrior, who by the way sat in Toledo waiting for a call up. And the Tigers were like, never called him up, and then he signed for Baltimore, and then the rest was history. Which is maybe that's why he always looked pissed off when he pitched against Detroit. Uh, <laughs> you know, Akil Baldu is continuing to hit and making this decision harder. I wrote this about this three days before a certain writer on Tigers.com did, but it's okay stuff happens that the possibility they're going to force the issue that the Tigers may carry four lefties because, or five outfielders mm-hmm. because there's this, this, uh, there was one situation where I put Victor Reyes and him on that same. And then I put, I put Victor Reyes back down to Lido, but in terms of the extra out, in, I mean, I, I feel like in both situations, I didn't have Harold Castro on the roster and Harold Castro has to hit. I know he can play all these versatility positions, and, and that's great and all. But I think with AJ, here's the question I have for you, Chris: Is AJ Hinch is going? to, I mean, is, he's already making a difference in how he's. But how many utility outfield or until in utility players do you need? Yeah, I mean, I it'd be nice to have. Uh, I mean, if you have one really good utility player like you have with Marwin Gonzalez, that's probably enough for you. Um, I'm sure every team would love to have two guys like that, that they could like two really good players on the bench that they can use at any position. But when I was watching 
today when I was trying to find audio for that to give him his Badu drop, I was watching, I, I found the Tigers YouTube channel and I was watching, they had a, like a little three minute segment with AJ Hinch, you know, following him throughout the day, what he's signing baseballs and jerseys and all this stuff. And he only had a couple comments, but one of his comments in there was like, he wants guys who hit the ball hard. That's what he wants. He wants, because when you hit the ball hard, good things happen. Um, and that, I don't know, that doesn't sound like Harold Castro to me. <laughs> I, I, not that he doesn't appreciate guys who are versatile by any means, but I, I don't know. I, th- I feel like Harold Castro, particularly it seems among the beat writers, and maybe it was, you know, who was it? Garden Hire compared his swing to like uh, Rod Carew. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, nobody disagrees that, that Harold Castro can put the bat on the ball. He can hit, he gets hits, and, and there's some help in that, but. I don't know if he is the sort of player that AJ Hinch really wants these days. And I don't know how much of the roster decisions are entirely up to him and uh, how much is, you know, decided by the organization. I, I can't tell, but I don't know. I, I do feel like, I feel like there's not much of a decision with Badu anymore. Like this is a kid and I'll talk about it in a little bit in my, uh, in our, in our segments. There are reasons I don't think you can give up on them or give them give them away, and and they have ways to get around it. They they have we talked. You could put Reyes in Toledo, like you said. We talked about the five outfield setup where you could even you know get away with using Jacoby Jones as a third baseman or second baseman or something like that occasionally. It's you know there are ways to make it make it work, and let alone just sending guys back and forth to Toledo throughout the season. You could you could make it happen. So. I don't know. But yeah, the four lefties thing, that was, you were the first one I heard mention that. And it's kind of unusual, but I mean, we know Soto's going to be in the bullpen because he's, you know, has the livest arm back there. It sure seems like Daniel Norris is going to be kind of their bulk. I don't know bulk, but he's going to be like counted on to be uh, a a good gap reliever. A guy who's going to take it, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh inning and get you to the, toward the end. And it seems like Tyler Alexander's in the same boat. So those are three guys who are probably really strongly in the bullpen. And then I think your fourth lefty is uh, is Derek Holland, right? Right. Yep. And he's looked great so far. He's getting lefties out, which is his big thing. And you can't. What's un, un, I mean, he can't get right-handers to save his life out. But there's no such thing as a specialty lefty anymore. So that that's what hinders him a little bit. But again, this is where. Spring training numbers are, and I've seen who was it the our friend or our friend over uh, Jeff Ellis over at Indians at Lawton Indians. He was saying he had a rant about it earlier, and I agreed. Spring training stats are just meaningless, and I understand to a point though. To a point, and look, the air, the the Badu stuff is his stuff looks real, like the opposite field of home run. That like there's stuff in you can look at spring training stuff. You can look at spring training numbers. And spring training video and go, okay, what can you extrapolate from there that is something that's closer to reality? For example, the Bobby Wood Jr. thing. Like everybody's talking about Bobby Wood Jr. should make the team. Da, 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 da. Okay. Is that something like what is there? I mean, that monster shot. Okay. Who did he face? What kind of pitcher? Was it some rookie A ball guy or was it a legitimate pitcher? I, look, Hinch has put him against what? He put him against Garrett Cole the other day. 
He had uh, yeah. he did pretty well. He had a uh, the first pitch was or his first, he had grounded out and then he had a walk and then that home run later, right? Well, he struck out and that he struck out. That's right. I mean, he got well in his second at bat against Garrett. It's Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole, you know, is one of the best strikeout pitchers of the last twenty years, or whatever. So it's it's like okay, and he got him by going ninety nine and then eighty nine, like <laughs> he got yeah, ninety nine mile, yeah. mile hour fastball and an eighty nine mile an hour changeup, like that. Yeah, that's that has nothing. Um, no, there's a difference, and and we know this. We talk about it, but it's still good, bad, and ugly, and inside the numbers. So we're going to talk about stats, or at least I am. Um, there's a difference between like counting stats in spring training and skills, putting skills on display, and things like hitting the ball hard, running fast, you know, uh, working counts, showing a good good uh, eye at the plate. Those are things like you can get ten walks in spring training just because pitchers don't know what they're doing or you're facing like, you know, the 40th guy in the bullpen. But if you watch and you see a guy has an approach and like Victor Reyes already has a couple walks in spring and like, I, I don't know what his walk rate is right now. He's only had like 10 at bats and I think he's got two or three walks. And it's right. like, okay, I, I don't think that's real. I think he's facing guys who can't throw strikes. Uh, and, you know, certainly there's some amount of, of being able to not swing at balls, but it's different than when you, you watch I do where you see him and we know, we know in the regular season teams will find his weaknesses and they'll exploit the hell out of him and he'll have to adjust. But you see him, you see him following, watching breaking balls come in, you know, sitting off, hanging off of them. You see him, you know, the changeups get him occasionally, but he'll still, uh, I think he got a hit on a changeup the other day against Philly. Uh, and the fastballs, you, he, he's not a guy who you can really sneak a fastball by. I, mean, I think he's probably struck out on a couple fastballs, but he has no problem in fastballs. So, I don't know. I, I see a very mature approach, certainly more mature than you would expect given his his uh, experience level. Right. And that's the sort of thing. Like I said, they're they're going to exploit that. They'll find something. You know what do. Yeah, Nico Goodrum had a really good approach until they find they kind of found some holes in his swing in the last year or so. Uh, and but it's worth it's worth the. Uh, Worth the investment, I think. And, I, and what I mentioned, and something I, I think it was Dan Dickerson. I forgot who said it. I think it was Dickerson or Matt Shepard when I was listening to the game the other day. I was watching it. Badu, I'm paraphrasing, but they were talking about how Badu has discussed looking at Barry Bonds, all these different types of hitters, Willie Mays, putting that yeah. in his swing. And that's something you don't hear very often. Again, I mean, we can't compare Victor Reyes because obviously Victor Reyes, who – doesn't speak doesn't speak English at all, what have you? And in, in terms of, and I know why oh, fans are getting, you know, huh? Oh, sorry, I didn't, I didn't know that. I I guess, but I don't think I've ever heard him talk. So when he when he did when Jed UK had him on when they had him on talking about the tattoo, he mm-hmm. had a translator. So that's that's oh. the only reason why I know that. But the the reason why I mentioned that part too is because for Tiger fans who are watching the spring train, they have somebody they can. It, I hate to say it, but it's kind of unrelatable in the sense that they, it's somebody that can go, okay, you can hit, you can get sound bites from him. You can't get sound bites from Victor Reyes. So that's why Victor Reyes, I think, is such a polarizing figure among Tiger's social media because you don't really get to know him. And Badu, you already know the the swing stuff, the just Badu it and everything. And there's all this you know fun stuff behind it. But yeah, you're right. There's a lot of stuff that you can look at and go, okay. The walk thing is real. The approach at the plate is real. And it's the same thing with, like, just even with guys in camp like Zach Short, for example, who got sent back down. 
I mean, he had a nice long home run, but you kind of wonder what happened if he didn't get injured. And of course he was on protocol, but he looked, look, he has some fundamental stuff. You're like, okay, I can see why people are, are high on him. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was a poke. That wasn't like he snuck, snuck it over the left field wall. That was like left center, 410 feet or something like that. That was, yeah, that was a holy crap moment. Like I was, yeah. So, so um, real quick, two things that annoy me that I wanted to bring up that I'm sure that you, you and I talked about this beforehand a little bit, and it's the March Madness bracket stuff. And that's, that doesn't annoy me as much as people sending it very last minute. And then you get that, oh. like, okay, like, oh man, I don't, I, cause the truth of the matter is outside of Michigan, I really haven't paid attention to college basketball. Who knew that Alabama was really good in the SEC? I paid a little bit of attention. I haven't watched a ton. I listen to like the Imago blog guys. They do podcasts. And so they, I kind of learned through osmosis because Alabama has a coach from Michigan named Nate Oates, who is, he's kind of gone like, in, he would be like in baseball terms, he would be like the ultimate uh, launch angle, exit velocity, spin rate guy. He's, he's like hundred percent into analytics. So Alabama only takes threes or layups. It, it, they will not shoot mid-range shots. They will. They'd rather go to the brim and get rejected like crazy uh, than take a mid-range shot. Or that's in the Yeah, it's. Uh, he's he's like he's angry about it. He's like, we're not going to do this three-point stance garbage, like your you know triple threat position. It's just like uh, it's funny, but yeah, no, I haven't I haven't watched a ton of basketball outside of Michigan uh, or the Big Ten. So. Big Ten is representing nine teams. Yeah, I mean, basketball and Big Ten seem really good this year. It was, I don't know. They haven't won the tournament since, what, 2000? Since Michigan State? Michigan Wisconsin State. had a chance. Um, Michigan's been there twice. Yeah. I think Illinois made it once. I mean, this is like if we, at some point we'll have Casey Bogusaw on because I know he's going to do a victory laugh over Illinois. He made a Michigan joked to that on Twitter, making fun of Michigan. And I was like, yeah, that does, that deserve that is actually deserved. Well, I don't, yeah, I don't, it's weird because there's always been this weird, like Illinois, at least in football, Illinois considered Michigan a rival for some reason. And Michigan was like, what? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, like they beat, they, they smoked Michigan head to head without their best player on Michigan's court. So they can talk all they want to. I, I still, yeah. And rightfully so. I, I mean, it was a very strange year. I don't. I, the the claiming that they're champions, I think, is a bit much. Oh, my phone was just recording my voice all that time. Oh, <laughs> no. Why were you recording? Vo- or just randomly. Well, my brother was texting me, and I was trying to respond. To oh, started... <laughs> except, except yeah. I know it's weird because there's always been this weird, like Illinois, at least in football, Illinois considered Michigan a rival. A rival. So anyway, right, but um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Gonzaga. Seems really good. They beat Iowa earlier in the year by like ten. Well, Iowa is pretty good. I think they're a two seed, aren't they? Yeah, and Ohio State's really good too. I mean, and this Illinois reminds me of like when Illinois was good at basketball is when you and I were both. And this is like eating. This is when they had Kendall Gill, Kenny Battle. Yeah. those teams. They've had they've had two runs of being really good at basketball that I can remember my life. Oh yeah, wait, wait, and one. towards the high school, right? Too right, like like two thousands. It was like the early 2000s or yeah. maybe like 2003, 2004 with like D Brown and Darren Williams and I forgot about that. Yeah. I don't know. If that was after Brian Cook, but they had a couple uh, uh, really good players. So 
Yeah, I mean, I think they said the Big Ten is the first team ever to have two uh, one seeds and two two seeds in the same tournament. It's such a weird year. Like, yeah. I, I hate all COVID sports. <laughs> like no everything, Kentucky, you know, no Duke, which is, you know, fine yeah. by me, no Duke. I don't care less about yeah, Duke. I, no, I, I'm fine with uh, not having the uh, the Blue Bloods there, but I don't know. I, I, I've had fun before. I've won a few brackets in my lifetime, and it's it's fun, but uh, I don't particularly care that much this year. Like, I don't expect Michigan to make the Final Four, maybe not even the Elite Eight. Yeah, they played really well, and they were destroying the the Big Ten. But without Isaiah Livers, I don't know. They're a very strange team where it's like they've got like six good players, kind of seven contributors. But if they lose any one of them, it's like they fall apart. So they do lack depth. Yeah, you're right. It's yeah. not the deep the deeper teams we're used to. But what comes March Madness comes something that you and I have noticed separately, and we were I was just discussing this with you beforehand, and then you were like, you like me too. That is the abundance of betting, online betting ads that are following us around thanks to Apple. Because we both have iPhones, and we know for a fact that iPhones are listening right now. And as I sit there and have my phone out and go, yeah, you're going to send me more ads, assholes. Um, You know, uh, so, yeah. So, anyway, um, that's something that's been annoying me greatly. Anywhere I go on social media, whether it's social media or even now, like I noticed this with um, on TV. I mean, Jamie Foxx is doing the MGM betting app. There's a FanDuel stuff. Even on the emails, where like those clickable things that come up on Gmail are coming up, it's it's annoying the hell out of me. Because first and foremost, and I and I, why I work as a financial institution, there was an article that was in Cranes that talked about how there it's some of these credit unions. Ooh, I'm reading. Like I got a. <laughs> Ooh, I I got a. Um, I was reading uh, the journal. Yeah, I was reading you know the, the the journal the other day when I was going. I'm going summering this year. You know, next time I use summary for adjective, like or as a as a verb, I'm go, I'm going to summer this year at Camp Dearborn. Mm. <laughs> yeah, you know, people they talk about yeah I summer at Martha's Vineyard and I'm like what the yeah. anyway. Um, so I was reading that in Cranes about how some of these people it, like they're oh, people are getting their money some credit unions and some banks are having a hard time they're seeing negative accounts because people are betting so much and i'm telling you chris like i'm just sick of the apps like all right i'm not gonna partake in this because a i'm still as i'm still i'm still getting like somebody explain how parlays work i know how betting works i know the basics of betting but to be honest with you i just know my luck i just can't like go I don't trust anything to have like a parlay resting on some guy missing a layup or missing a shot in overtime in, in a hockey game or something like that or, or football where it misses a field goal because my day is going to be wrecked. Yeah, man, I, I don't, I don't get into gambling. I, you know, a lot of people love gambling, obviously in sports, but it's like anything else, you know, some people uh, love drinking and some people love uh, drinking a bit too much. I think it's the same with gambling, obviously, but no, I mean, I noticed, uh, I don't know what, I, I think I was watching a Pistons game about a month ago, and it was an ad break, and I think there were four straight ads for betting apps and casinos and, and sports books and stuff like that. I'm like, good Lord, like, I don't, you know, I don't sit and watch ads for entertainment purposes anyway, but it's like, Jesus, this is annoying. And then I, I must have blocked 10 different betting apps on Twitter 
the ad just kept coming up, you know, the sponsored content or whatever. Yeah. I have friends, like I have friends who joined the barstool one and were just playing like blackjack and making money and, and, you know, just gambling. I can't imagine how much money is in this for, given how much they're spending on this, all these advertisements. Uh, I mean, I, you know, I can't imagine because you're just getting people to give you, uh, give you their money. So there's gotta be a lot of money in it, but yeah, I mean, it, it's just, uh, it's way too much for me. I don't, uh, I don't know. I don't need that sort of stress in my life to, to, to be worried. Like you said, worried about a guy making a layup and, and you could tell like, this is, like these are just crack pushers you know they're, they're like hey we'll give you 150 bucks if somebody makes a basket in this basketball game like <laughs> all right so you're just all right i know what you want you're trying yeah, and, to get me hooked on the good stuff and you're trying to get me hooked on good stuff but you also chris keep in mind too remember even when we were kids like d was what was it um the in goodfellas remember hank, hank hill or hank, hank hill henry, henry hill, hill. Henry Hill oh, in the Hill. book, I call him yeah. Hank Hill. In the book, in the book itself, he actually in the like some I think it was the Big East tournament, or yeah, it was either the Big East tournament or something like that. He had point shavings, and it was yeah. against Providence or something like that along those lines. So, and the University of Toledo, correct me if I'm wrong, got busted not too long ago. I thought so. Yeah, I mean, yeah. We've, we've seen, we've seen, um, you know, obviously that was it the the Tim Donahue. Yeah, I don't remember his name. That the the NBA ref, like obviously, there's this is just. I mean, you can get screwed ten different ways with with gambling. Now you can make a lot of money too if you're into that sort of thing. I just, uh, I don't know, man. Like I said, it's not it's not my thing. I don't uh, disparage anybody. I remember we had uh, a, was a fan. We had somebody as an advertiser once, didn't we? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. We yeah, we did. We had the my bookie, my bookie. Yeah, and I was like, I, I don't know, parlay that down to the street, and uh, yeah, <laughs> and, and turn them into three. But yeah, that's yeah. that's that's something I noticed before we get to some of the um that stuff, the the inside numbers, some of the segments. But yeah, there's something I I couldn't help but notice. It's getting worse, so. So, yeah, it is now time for our first of the 2021 Inside the Numbers. It's time for Rahelio and Chris to go Inside the Numbers. So my friend, Andrea, longtime friend, longtime friend. I've known her 13 years, and she did radio with me back in my old days, and she actually was – she ran – did production out in West Virginia, and so she – used to produce a lot of spots and so she does great work so if you're ever interested in getting production done who by the way i did have batul the srd intern he was a production for mark and his podcast so nice so give her her batul yeah i gotta give her her batul (laughs) give her her due there we go that's really i did not i don't need to be canceled so without further ado (laughs) uh because you know i I, I, I did i said it first so don't worry all right so what is your inside number this week chris uh my inside number is three and this is going to be right relating to the stuff we were talking about. So three is the number of players in the 2020 season who recorded a home to first runtime of 4.05 seconds and hit a home run with an exit velocity of 106 miles per hour or greater. So uh, there are a lot of guys who hit home runs that hard. There are not many guys who ran that fast. And there are only three who did both. 
Roman Quinn, somehow, the speedy, like, leadoff guy for the Phillies. Byron Buxton and Shohei Otani. Those are the three who did it. And uh, if you stretch it out to 4.1 seconds, that it, it gets the number to eight. So uh, the reason I bring this up, of course, is because Akil Badu has done both of those things already this spring. He, uh, on a ground ball, a shortstop in a game against the Yankees, he ran 405 to first base with sprint speed over 30 feet per second, which is elite. Um, I think the StatCast does it. You know, they take more than one run, obviously. So his true you know, sprint speed is probably more like 4-1 or somewhere between 4-2 and 4-1. But, uh, yeah, and he's hit a home run 106.3 miles an hour already. And this is, you know, I don't know how many at-bats he's had this spring, like 60 or so, maybe fewer than that. But this is what I was talking about, those those skills you see on there on display. You can't fake being that fast. You can't fake hitting the ball that hard. And I can't remember the last time a guy, uh, the Tigers had a player with those kind of tools. Like, I mean, that's borderline 80 speed and the power is probably more like 60. But uh, we, we think of guys, I was thinking like, you know, Granderson, but Granderson wasn't quite that fast and neither was Austin Jackson. Um, you might have to go back to like Kirk Gibson to see a power speed combination like this in the Tigers uniform. So it's really, uh, I don't know. It's really exciting to me. I mean, Juan, Juan Carson, it, well, he, he wasn't really more, I mean, he, he was a five tool player supposedly, but I never, I would think of the, him as the last prospect that comes to mind to me. I mean, Kirk Gibson too, as well. Yeah. Kirk Gibson for sure. But, um, Curtis, I mean, in terms of Juan Carson was more senior and he didn't have that kind of, but that's, that's what his whole bag was. But, he comes in on uh, the Fangraphs prospect list at number 18. And so his future value at 40, which puts him just behind guys like Daniel Cabrera, who are number 12 and other, but still, I mean, Chris, it's been a while since we've seen a kind of player that is taking the camp by storm a little bit like this. And another player from my inside number this week, and it's a really simple one. That is the number 43 and has a whiff rate on four different pitches with six strikeouts from Tarek Skubal. And that number, by the way, came from courtesy. Let's see. With fan graph, excuse me, if you go to Baseball Savant's got so many cool little graphics and, and little things you could do during the game. Like now it's almost like you can't watch the game without you have it on your tab on a browser somewhere. You're watching a game like that. So Andrew Simon and LB posted that. And I thought that was really cool. It was his four pitches were the, the fastball change up slider and a curve. That was, there was a cutter, but that was where the curve we were talking about earlier beforehand. He's still getting a grip on it, but the change up looked really good, but the fastball hitting command. Let, it's been a while since we've seen a tiger with that kind of command, a left-handed c- command with power. I mean, it, it's, it, you have to go back to probably, I mean, when Nate Robinson was what late or, or High eighty, high high eighties, maybe ninety ninety two tops. Yeah, I think there was. I want to say he got up to like ninety five, ninety six in the ALCS in two thousand six, but that might have been a hot gun. Um, yeah, he was not an upper nineties guy. That's for sure. And Scooble is he can probably hit ninety nine or hundred if he wants to. Uh, but he's mostly like ninety three, ninety five, and then it'll ramp up to ninety seven. But we know like the powers in there, and and it just plays different. The angle. The spin, the uh, it, it's just yeah, it's a, a nasty pitch. If he locates it, man, it's over. Like, because that's the thing. People talked about, and that's great about that there about four different pitches, right? Like, 
the talk about when he's coming up is, oh, he's just all fastball. I don't know, man. He's uh, he's striking out Bryce Harper on sliders that are nasty. He struck out Odubel Herrera on a, a, a curveball that was nasty. I that think changeup was beautiful too. Split change is getting them strikeouts. And and like you said, I don't even know if he means to throw a cutter. I, I wish somebody. I don't know if somebody's asked him about that or not, or if that's just like because I think he threw eight or nine cutters in his outing the other day, and I think only one of them was a strike. So I almost feel like when he does that. It's a mistake, like it's him overthrowing. But uh, I mean, yeah, add a cutter, sure, whatever. I, I think the four pitches uh, are going to be plenty. And what's weird, and somebody was talking about, you see uh, his curveball. It, it's it's really kind of inconsistent for him. That's the Scott Kingery fastball, right? Yep. yep. So his curveball, he'll either bury it or drop it in for strike, or he just like completely casts it, and it's like. A foot above the strike zone and it's weird but i feel like that's fine you know if 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 that's how bad like it's better than him hanging it you know like he's yeah. not just hanging it, dropping in the zone if you're gonna Ooh. see look at that that's 76 mile an hour curveball uh, i mean that's that's nasty and uh boom i mean you feel that coming out of the same tunnel as 97 or 95 and this is uh who is that that's, I, oh, that's I, I can't. Oh, that's uh, Derek Hall, I think. So that's fastball, and then I think we're gonna see the the uh, these are the six strikeouts they're showing. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I think we're gonna see the slider against Bryce Harper soon. No, all right. This is uh, Ronald Torres. Yeah. That, that's right. like the that's I don't know what that was. Eighty four mile an hour was that his change? That was his change. Yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting. An inside change to a, I, but that's the, he can give guys so many different looks. So here's the slider to, to Harper. Like, look at that. Sick. <laughs> it's just, it's just, like, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm pretty happy we ranked him ahead of, uh, Mize in our, our, at yeah. uh, Motor City Bengals. I, we probably should have ranked him first. Uh, uh, I mean, it's tough with pitchers, with pitchers, position players. But he he has the look of a legit frontline starter if he can just throw more strikes, and that's a big thing. There are plenty of guys who have nasty stuff who haven't been able to throw enough strikes and they end up with like a four ERA because they, you know, give up three runs every five innings. But I don't know, super encouraging for sure. Yeah, no doubt. And you know, and the the biggest thing about his curveball that I take away from it, it was like it looked like he was playing with his grip a little bit because it looked like it was even when it kind of in, in terms of let me play with the grip, but just I guess consistently throwing it like that kind of snap action because when he threw it, he threw it early in the count and when he did, it was like high. It kind of didn't hang, but it was just like, it just dipped quicker. It was high in the zone. And yeah, so he, he, uh, he'll drop them in there for the first pitch. Right. You know, a lot of people think that that, that first pitch breaking ball is like the best pitch in baseball. Cause it guys generally don't swing at it. If you're dropping it at the top of the zone and you get yourself ahead of the count and that's, you know, that's the key. So no, I mean, I think there's there's just a ton to like with Tarek School, and uh, definitely encouraging. And we know, like, you know, Mize could still end up being really good, too, and same with Manning. But, you know, whenever there's pitching prospects like this, we know that they're not all going to work out, and some sometimes one of them, you know, really works out. So that's – I got a pretty good feeling about School if he stays healthy and throws strikes. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm very hopeful for it, and there's nothing that is to me is discouraging about – even his appearances, it's just there's nothing like it just seems like he's ready to go. I mean, there's like we mentioned earlier, it's yep. just 
a guy who knows where he's at and and that's that's a good thing comparatively speaking to Casey Myers. But you're right, you want to see some more command where he's not throwing 70 pitches in in three innings. So all right. So it's time for the good and the bad, the ugly. And Chris. There's a lot of there's a lot of good there's a lot of good and bad and ugly there's a lot of ugly baseball because spring training a lot of numbers or you know the 88s and the 77s we start seeing in games so without further ado what is your good and bad and ugly this week so yeah I mean we talked several times already about spring training stats mean nothing especially when they're in, in Arizona but sometimes it feels fun to, to point out crazy starts so I'm gonna say Jack Peterson is my good Jack Peterson of the Chicago Cubs now. Uh, he is currently 13 for 26 with three doubles, five home runs, and five walks against four strikeouts. Um, that's, you know, ridiculous and a nice way to make yourself popular on your new team. Uh, he's, he's, you know, he's kind of an interesting player because he's been worth three war in just about every one of his seasons. He had two, two bad seasons. One, I think they kind of realized, hey, he probably can't hit against lefties that much. But you still see him get 150 games a year. And, yeah, four or three war seasons. Last year was rough. Who knows? But and the Cubs got him for $7 million. And if he puts up what he's capable of doing and what he's done in the past, that's a steal. Uh, so it's actually like a $4.5 million deal with a like a $2.5 million buyout. Not a buyout, but like a, you know, mutual mutual option that he can opt out for $2.5 million. So good on him for taking that bet on himself and, and – you know, hopefully he goes out there and, and rakes for the Cubs and gets himself some more money next year, maybe with the Tigers. Um, my bad is uh, Spencer Torkelson's spring training. He is he is one for 20 with three walks and 12 strikeouts. That is uh, what they say is bad. That's a 52.2% strikeout rate, if you're wondering. That is the highest strikeout rate for any Tigers hitter in spring training since at least 2006. Uh, with, with a minimum of 20 at-bats. You know, there are guys who've gone like 0 for 3 with three strikeouts. But, yeah, he's very clearly not ready for major league pitching. Uh, I was looking at the highest strikeout rates for anybody else. Nobody else is above 50 since 2006. Here, Goodrum is at 40.7. The other highest, uh, J.D. Martinez had a 40% strikeout rate in 2017. Brandon Dixon, 39% in 2020. Alex Avila, 38.6 in 2014. Then you got like Xavier Avery, Kristen Stewart, Mike Hespin, Stephen Moya. A lot, of, a lot of free swingers there. So, again, we're going to take uh, – not going to take good numbers in spring training to heart, and we can do the same for the bad numbers. But it's it's not been the the start that I think a lot of people were hoping for. Not number one prospect, guys-wise. I'm sure that the Tigers are kind of secretly happy that, you know, they don't have pressure to bring him up this year. Or immediately, you know, if he came out and was hitting like Badu was, good Lord, what, what, uh, what would people do? Um, so – and my ugly is, unfortunately, it's Franklin Perez. Uh, and I've tried to be positive about it on, on Twitter. And it is a nice step to see him. You know, his first outing, his fastball was sitting at 87. His next outing was sitting at 89. So it's nice to see it more. But that's still 89 miles per hour for your fastball. For a guy who used to sit in the mid-90s or low-90s and touch the mid-90s, um, that's slower. His fastball so far this spring is slower than... Cisnero and Manning and Urania, their changeups. It's slower than Gregory Soto's slider. Uh, it's the same speed as Drew Carlton's fastball. Um, 
and he just you know it just looks bad now his breaking stuff has looked okay like there's still some decent shape to his curve and then, then we talked about the change up has has some nice fade to it but i mean we're talking you know these are like one inning stints 20 25 pitches and he's he's struggling to get to 90 miles an hour it's it's it sucks and like i said it just doesn't look right i don't know if he's like completely changed his mechanics to try to not hurt after throwing but it's it's so hard to see him coming back to being any sort of certainly not a starter but even being any kind of productive major league pitcher like i i'm you know when he was originally scouted i think he was a third baseman like way back in you know in international ball i didn't know that I, yeah, and they they converted him to pretty quickly. I think I mean he I think they signed him as a pitcher, but he was before that he was a third baseman, uh, and that's kind of what I'm waiting on. Like that's the final death knell when they say we're gonna you know move him to to move him back to the batter's box and see if he can hit. And that's you know with well, the kid out of Rice uh, or yeah the kid yeah, out of Dane, Rice. Dane Myers, Dane Myers or Zach Shepard or the, yeah, I mean, the it's, yeah. It's that that position switch is generally the, uh, you know, sometimes it works out, but you know, there's the Rick Ankeels of the world, but uh, yeah, and obviously this is just speculation on my part. Maybe, maybe he's just afraid to let it loose, and when he does, he'll he'll find his velocity again. But it's this right now we've got, you know, upper 80s fastball with 30 grade command. It's not going to work at any level, unfortunately. This is going to be a pain in the ass. Uh, excuse my French, but I'm starting to get annoyed here. Yeah, I mean, and that's the sentiment that sides for the Justin Verlander trade because right now Jake Rogers is your only hope that this will pan out in some way, shape, or form. And as much as you did a great article on, we've talked about this before about a lot of the LV, some of the. I know there's a lot of Alvila defenders, and then there's Bob Page who was. <laughs> what are you guys are talking about? They're doing and there's look. Alvila has not the track record says it for itself. I don't really, it's just too, it's too easy to say the same thing over and over again. And there's some things he did good and there's some things he did bad. But with that, I think with Perez, when you see that, it's kind of like, and the one thing you had to, the one trade you had to get this right. And it's looking, looking right now that Houston swindled them. Well, did they know that was going on? Who knows? I don't know. But when you come out like that, it's like, ugh. I'm yeah, no, I mean, well, that's the thing. I, I, I think you were touching on that article I wrote the other day about like the Tigers are are starting to win their trades, and there's only so much. Like I try to mention in that, like, hey, they lost badly the trades they needed to win, like they desperately needed to win, but these things that they look like they've done okay in these other trades. But there's there's winning a trade, and there's winning a trade, and and like. Dave Dombrowski used to win trades. Like, you know, think of Carlos Guillen, the Carlos Guillen trade for Ramon Santiago, Doug Fister for four randoms, uh, you know, Anibal Sanchez for for Jacob Turner. Dombrowski murdered other people in his trades, just like 20 war wins. And we're talking about like one war here or there. Like they've they found some decent pieces. They I'm kind of damning with faint praise, I guess, is is I mean, I want to give them due for give them their due for finding some players who look like they can help. Give but 
but this is not these aren't Dabrowski wins and I, I didn't really put that in the piece because there's only so much like it was already like 1600 words long but yeah it, it's nice to have a, a Willie Castro and Alex Lang and Jamer Candelario and stuff but it's it's better to have a Max Scherzer yeah, I mean, you know. you, I mean, you could go back even further. I mean, look at Bill LaJoy, for example. I mean, when he – and for some of the 20-something-year-olds, that was the GM. Him, He was the press editor, Jim Campbell. Look at, I mean, look at Jim Campbell did. I mean, for example, he was able to get Joe Coleman. Uh, you got Rodriguez. This is 1972. He flipped Dana McClain, who was just off his Cy Young, was able to get some value. They got Mickey T- – I mean, even like – Gary Pettis. There's 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 trades throughout history where the Tigers have seemingly have come and gotten something positive out of it. I mean, during the Rand Smith era is a little different, but still there's peaks and valleys when it comes to this thing. But you're right, there's no slam dunk. I mean, Candelario potentially will be that could have the slam dunk. Same thing with Paredes. But it's when you don't get any pitching value out of that. I mean, the Verlander trade, I think it was the one that was like, I think fans are gonna get more. I mean, look at Lugo, for example. He's having, he hasn't been signed anyway. He's signing for he's playing for a Mexican he's, team. Yeah, he's playing in the Mexican league. Yeah, it's I mean that was uh, like I said. And I said in the article, we don't need to beat that dead horse. They lost those trades yeah. and they lost them bad. They right. those that those two trades and getting nothing basically for Upton and Kinsler, uh, that could cripple the rebuild forever. Like right. they might never be able to come back from it. Um, but it was just yeah, I, it was kind of an attempt to say, all right, look. Some of these players are looking interesting now. So, but there's only so much nuance you can put in a piece or in a headline when yeah. you're trying to get people to click on it. Yeah, but it's even you're right. But there, the substance behind it is like you weren't you weren't saying like oh you know Avila like you weren't oh praise Avila it wasn't like that at all. I thought you did a good job of just highlighting yeah. what you know what what value they were having. You know. Yeah, I, I mean he's he's been doing his job. How about that? There you go. He's doing, yeah, the bare minimum in trades. So, as far, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe Joey Wentz in, in you know, a couple more years. Maybe we can say, yeah, he really won those trades. But right Which now, trans- you can just say they kind of look okay. Yeah, they can. Well, that kind of translates to my good, bad, ugly this week because the non-roster invites that he's he by the camp, and there's some that were signed and some that were drafted. They had a pretty good camp, like Ryan Kreidler. Who knew? I mean, Ryan Cradler, we we wasn't on any prospects list. We didn't we, we didn't have him in West Michigan. Do we we saw we did we see him in West Michigan? I don't think we saw. I think he did make it to West Michigan, but they had at West Michigan they had Lipschitz, they had Quintana, they had Kenley when we were there. And, I think it was uh, in Connecticut. I think it was in Connecticut. Yeah, he was in Connecticut. Mean. They just had too many infielders. They had Winslow yeah. Perez where we were there. They, they there was just too many, and uh, yeah, not too like hijack your thing but he's had a couple really nice uh you know opposite field shows of power that i don't think people expected but when i i look at his swing and i look at his body i i just he he looks to me like a right-handed don kelly like he's got a really strange short flat swing that i i don't know how else to describe but uh i you know as a fourth rounder would you take a don kelly in the fourth round sure i guess uh we were kind of curious when they brought him in because like, Hey, like why are they bringing him rather than somebody else? But you can kind of see why he's got a little something to him. So he's a guy, one of those guys that I'm definitely going to watch more this year. I always thought that some someone from that group of infielders 
in that 2019 draft was going to pop a little bit had there been a 2020 season. So maybe it would have been him. I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought I thought we would be able to see more. I mean, we didn't even see him at all play, so it was it was a nice, pleasant surprise. And considering that Tigers kind of need that kind of every once in a while a good surprise. And man, I had my Donna Kelly baby thing hooked up, and now it's not working anyway. No. So no, but the Tigers. It, it would be nice to have some kind of surprise with that. And and D- Derek Holland going getting those strikeouts. He looked really, really good the other day. But again, spring training stats, got to look at that. But, and this is a veteran who's been in camp, but who's been in camp before, so he knows the drill. And, you know, I, I really say Erasmo Ramirez, who I who I like to sign because he pitched well last year in some call of September. This guy used to pitch for the Rays, used to be a starter. So he knows he's got two pitches, pretty much a, a cut fastball, I think a, a, a four-seamer, and then I think he's got a, a curve or a change. They're, not, they're, they're okay pitches but here's a guy that you can add for triple a relief or you know end up being like a, a good middle relief guy what have you but i know everybody talked about ian Kroll and that story that's cool he's got four innings two you know there's six strikeouts two walks that's pretty cool it's like that, we haven't seen him in a little bit no we haven't not since uh i feel like it's been it's been a while it's been a while i know drew hutchinson's in camp you know whatever on that but it's it's one of those things where you're like, okay, well, it's still, it's, it's still, they can see the don, non-roster invites get some play out there. And, and for Tiger fans, some of the non-roster invites have been kind of eh, the last couple of years. My bad is Carlos Carrasco in New York, who is, he tore his hamstring running today and he was having able issues. And this was another centerpiece of the trade for Lenore to New York from Cleveland. And the Mets who, Signed Deion Walker, which I kind of swore on my breath when I saw that because I was like, that would have been cool for him to sign Detroit. But Mets still have enough pitching to overcome that. But that's just that's bad for the Mets because they have that bad luck. And my ugly is Shane Green's not being signed. Is it why is this and how is this possible? But it's also I hate to say this, and I feel bad saying this part, but Joe Joe Jimenez is just i think he's he just toast toast he got lit up again and even i saw lynn henning post something today like just like the dark like three innings of work five hits he everything just looks flat four strikeouts Two walks. He did that pointing thing the other day when he allowed the home run, which Brandon Day had a really good tweet about, which was pretty funny. But oh, I missed that. Yeah, Joe Jimenez. You know, he's he looks lost out there. I mean, he has a good spin rate on some things, but go work on that in Toledo, man. This is not gonna. It's not gonna cut it. Sorry, and it's just. I mean, he was an All Star in 2018, so it's strange to see that, but at the same time, make room for somebody else. So that's my, I mean, he's looked, he's looked bad. Yeah. It's, it's, it's sucks because he was, he was a guy that everybody wanted to see, you know, they loved him. He was cruising through the minors like crazy upper nineties, fastball, fighter. He made that that great first half of the season in 2018. But since that all-star game, he's just been, he's been one of the most Homer prone, easy to hit pitchers. He's, 
he's like the Matthew Boyd of relievers. He he still strikes guys out, but he gives up an absolute ton of home runs. And like what that's the last thing you want from a reliever, really. I mean, you got a guy coming in, the whole point is to, you know, keep the score where it is or you know, do what you can. But I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And he was a great story, unsigned free agent. They they jumped on him and got him the majors and all star and all that good stuff. But yeah, he needs to needs to figure something out, and I don't think he can do it in Detroit. I don't think Detroit can afford him or afford to let him do it in Detroit. Yeah, and almost like relievers are becoming running backs. You know, they have a certain self shelf life before they just start. Yeah, I mean that's that's been the case with relievers for at least in the modern era for forever. Like anybody, if you find a reliever who's effective and like good for more than four seasons, it's kind of rare. Like even the, the elite guys only have runs that, that last uh, five, six years, it seems like, before it just, I mean, you, if not, anybody about, uh, beyond that is like a Hall of Fame level talent, like Rivera, Hoffman, and then like the borderline guys like Billy Wagner and, I don't know, Jonathan Papelbon, Joe Nathan, guys like that. They, they have long runs, but. You know what's interesting is that, like, he's, he, and he's with Arizona right now, and he's 36 years old. It's Tyler Clippert. I and mean, Tyler Clippert, for his career as an ERA, a career ERA of 3.313, career ERA. And, I mean, he's been, I mean, he's 35 years old. He was, he had an ERA 2.77 last year with Minnesota. He had four walks in 26 innings. I took a flyer on that guy. I, I don't get it. You know what I mean? Like, Tyler Clipper, he's not, he's not a sexy name. I mean, is he, what, at one point in time, he had his best year in terms of, I mean, he was a closer. Washington, he had 32 saves. He's been an all-star a couple times. But that's the kind of guy that you can at least go in there and he's going to give you the, the 40 or 50 games of work. Solid. He's a solid reliever. And that's that's hard to find. Yeah. And so, I mean, a Clyde Clipper is the Gore, Frank Gore of uh, baseball. Gore. Just keeps coming. Yeah. Okay. He's other. There we go. I made a really weird comparison, but I'm going to write that down for the show notes. Clyde Clipper is Frank Gore. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that, that's something that you're right. It's, it's, it's hard to find. So, but either way, Joe Jimenez, Joe Jimenez is host essentially. So that is my good and bad ugly this week. And that is, that is it for the show. So if you are a Patreon member, you will get our Carfax breakdown, Julio Tehran's last start. So stick around for that. If you are, so go to, again, if you want to become a Patreon member, Patreon.com forward slash Tigers SRD. Again, you don't have to. I'm not making you or anything, but if you like the show and you want to support the show and you want to do it some way, a little form, by all means. And then go to MotorCityBangles.com. Check out all the great content. The are you got another draft or draft update piece coming up, right, Chris? Yeah, I'm trying to find. I think I may. Because it just seems dumb for me to be releasing them on Saturday about the week before when – like like the main starters have started the night before. So I think I'm going to start doing them on Mondays. So this one will encapsulate the last two weekends, basically the last weekend, the last week, and then this weekend. And then I'll start doing them every Monday. I, I originally, when I started doing these at Tykestown a couple of years ago, I was doing them Thursdays because I was also doing the minor league recap on Monday and it was just too much, but uh, yeah, we won't have minor leagues until May or whatever. So I can, I can think I do it. And then I think that'll be better. Do it on a Monday. Um, but yeah, I've got that. I, I was working on something on Willie Castro. We'll see if I can make it work. It has to do with that that Luis uh, Robert uh, article that Mark sent us. Oh yeah, the, the 
in terms of exit velocity, right? Yeah, it's it's kind of a because one thing that's always kind of perplexed me about Willie Castro is you look at his hard hit rate or his exit velocity on Statcast, and it's like like super low, like bottom ten percent, which doesn't make any sense. Uh, and I break it down a little bit more and figure out why. And and but uh, like I said, I I don't know if I can make the article work. Maybe it'll just be an inside the numbers next week. Yeah, I can't wait to see, I can't see what ends up happening with it if you do end up posting it. And the uh, other sounds like a great one. So, <laughs> sounds like a great one. Uh, so yeah, the oh the uh, article I want everybody to check out too, if you get a chance before they were they were Bristol Tigers before they were Detroit Tigers, and that was from our uh, Sebastian, a resident historian here at Motor State Bengals. So check out all the great content over there. Until next week, where after that we'll have what. Love more cuts. I think there should probably be some cuts announced tomorrow, I'm assuming. Yeah, I, I thought there would be today. Yeah, I yeah. think we're going to see say, Torque and Green and uh, anybody else who's still in camp. Anybody else? I'm trying to think uh, who else. A bunch of non-roster people. Yeah, I mean. Jake Ro- well, Jake Rogers and Grayson Reiner. Uh, Eric Haas still in camp. Yeah, I could see one of the catchers going. Um I don't know. Yeah, but there will be cuts. Garneau, yeah, I forgot Garneau's in camp still, too. So, yeah, yeah. there's yeah, there should be some big cuts coming out tomorrow. So, until next week, we'll see you next time.